This is By the People for the Podcast, produced by the American Civil Liberties Union of New Hampshire. My name is Polana, my pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm the trans justice organizer here at the ACLU of New Hampshire. Whether because LGBTQ people face job discrimination, family rejection, homelessness, and criminalization, or because our bodies and desires are at once demonized and exoticized, our community has long turned to the sex industry for critical means of support and survival. Data from the National Transgender Discrimination Survey has shown that transgender people engage in sex work at a rate at least 10 times that of cisgender women. And at least 13% of transgender people who experience family rejection have done sex work at some point in their lives. Additionally, a 2012 study by the National Center for Trans Equality found that nearly one in six transgender people has been incarcerated. For trans people of color, that number is one in two. It's staggering, and it demonstrates the deep bias in our current laws and criminal justice system. And all of this is why ACLU's Trans Justice Campaign supports the decriminalization of sex work. We are working alongside local partners and organizations led by current and former sex workers to end the targeting of trans people and work towards decriminalization. We can bring sex work out of the dangerous corners of the world and into the light where people are protected and not targeted by the law. And that's why we're starting to have these conversations. What is the most immediate goal of SWAP? On today's episode, I will be talking to members of the Sex Workers Outreach Project of New Hampshire. And throughout, I'm going to be playing a few clips of Caitlin Bailey's one-woman show, Whore's Eye View. Because you guys have one of the best chances um, of all 50, 51 states of actually decriminalizing sex work. Like, and it's the people in this room that are going to make it happen, and I think that's absolutely incredible. So let me introduce myself. My name is Caitlin Bailey. Um, like that one. But before we dive in, I'd like to alert listeners that there is some explicit language in today's episode, and our lawyers would like to remind you that this podcast does not constitute legal or medical advice. All right, let's dive in. Our monkeys matter. Like, 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 do you guys know this? Yale University spent, I don't know, like a billion dollars uh, teaching monkeys what money is. And the first, they taught like a group of captive monkeys that they could exchange a token uh, for uh, grapes, and monkeys care a lot about grapes. And as soon as the connection was made, the first thing, the first thing that happened is that a boy monkey gave a girl monkey a token and then they had sex. That's the first thing that happened. Yeah. So anyone that tells you sex work isn't natural, go fuck yourself. There is unambiguous universal evidence of a variety of different species trading sex for the shit that they need, and homo sapiens are no exception to that. There is actually a uh, a weird... So for our listening audience, who do we have on the phone today? My name is Ashley Fires. I'm the chapter leader of Sex Workers Outreach Project New Hampshire. And I'm a veteran sex worker for 20 years and proud to be a sex worker. I'm Megan Maiden. I am a member of the Sex Worker New Hampshire Outreach Project. Um, I am also a sex worker and content creator. And I have resided in both New Hampshire and Massachusetts uh, my whole life. Um, my name is, uh, is Angie, and I'm founder and director of Shish.com. Uh, we 
where um, we create movies primarily for women and couples, erotic movies, explicit erotic movies. And I'm also a representative for the Sex Worker Outreach Project of New Hampshire. And I reside in New Hampshire. So thanks all. Uh, I'm going to ask just a really simple blanket question, make sure we're all on the same page entering this conversation, uh, listeners included. What is sex work and what does it look like here in New Hampshire? Believe it or not, in the state of New Hampshire, we have quite an eclectic group of sex workers. Providers, sugar babies, cam models, dancers, dominatrix. A vibrant community. Yes, a vibrant and growing community. Fun fact, New Hampshire Supreme Court ruled that pornography was not prostitution in 2008, and it is perfectly legal to produce adult entertainment in the state of New Hampshire, which I think a lot of people don't realize. So all of you are obviously, um, you know, outspoken advocates on this issue. What do you find are the biggest misconceptions? What's difficult to convey to people? Um, You know, how do those conversations go when you open up about what you do for work? I think that we're misunderstood, regardless regardless of what segment we're in. I think people fear what they don't know or they don't understand. So... You know, I mean, you had that the whole project chokehold, closing down bank accounts, and people just don't understand it. They're right, right, and it's the conflation of sex trafficking with adult consensual sex work. I mean, right, Megan, you, Megan, when you first got into adult consensual sex work, people thought you were being forced into it. Is that correct? Basically, I mean, I feel like the stigma around it, at least in my experience, a lot of the time is that sex workers in general are doing it solely for survival or because they're like in a bad place, either mentally addicted to drugs, socioeconomically. And that's the only reason that we do it when in fact it can be just like a very rewarding job that some people are just actually good at. It is a skill. And like people don't see that. People just see that, oh, you know, well, I would never do that. So someone else who's doing that must be in like a really terrible place. Right, that you're broken somehow. Yeah. Or that you were abused or that you were, yeah, that you were being forced into it. I I think when people say to me, when people bring up the whole sex trafficking uh, versus sex worker, and I say, you know, you boil it down to the lowest common denominator, which is consent. Right. And I feel like people assume that like most sex workers are, trafficked and you know i'm sure it obviously does happen and it's obviously a problem but for who i've come into contact with all the all the sex workers i know are all like lovely people who do it because they genuinely enjoy it and they're good at it and like i feel like people just like can't really wrap their mind around that right or or find you know fault in like how, how dare you enjoy giving and receiving pleasure and monetizing from it. So where do people access this vibrant community? Accessing sexual providers used to be a lot easier before which were intended to target trafficking and, you know, child pornography and trafficking. And, and what it ended up doing is that actually 
took away a lot of the verification tools that online providers used. It took away Backpage, Craigslist. They no longer had a way to verify their potential clients, which therefore made sex work a lot more dangerous, forcing it more underground. You break apart the community, you take away the community, and then there goes the safety net. There's no way for people to share information and help each other. Yeah, we saw people having to go to to pimps who were otherwise, you know, independently functioning. And we saw people going to the street when they were safe behind their computer screen in their homes before. Has the COVID-19 pandemic affected your organization? We are coming together in a way we never have before. We have so many people that are reaching out to us, where as before, we would reach out to other people. And it's, it's really putting community organizing skills to the test at this time. And what I'm most impressed with that I've seen from your group are the care packages. You know, I see these baskets on all your social media accounts and they're filled with baked goods and candles and gift cards and sex toys. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I just get really excited about this. Actually, uh, Megan came last week to my house to pick up a package, a care package, and deliver uh, another care package to someone, which, you know, again, it's a beautiful process we have that people are willing to go out of their way to help our fellow sex workers. And, you know, one sex worker, one dancer called the care package. This is indulgent and necessary. <laughs> oh, it's like a great mix of both. It's, it's, it's kind of the self-care items, you know, the bath bombs and the candles. And we teamed up with a woman who was having sex toy parties out of her home. She is sexpert by day. Uh, that's her handle on Instagram. And she volunteered sex toys to be added to the care packages. You've done an amazing job, Ashley, of fundraising. I mean, you're, you're the heart and soul behind this project. You really are. You really, really are. You've done an incredible job. And I I just don't think people realize (laughs) how much effort you've put into it. And, and I Thank think you. I, you've given us all yeah. a sense of community, like we're a part of something bigger, that we're not alone. That, yeah, thank you. Was, yeah, I felt alone. That's why I started this chapter, because I was reaching out for community, and I was reaching out into a vacuum of nothing, and I thought, there has to be other sex workers here. I mean, I can't, I felt alone and I, I felt lost and, and look what's happened. I mean, now we have, 
we have a real community. We have, it's like family, you know? So that's how it got started. Uh, for Megan and Angie, how did you get involved? Yeah, um, I think my experience yeah. was probably a little different because Ashley and I have been friends for many, many, many years. So I think we went out to dinner. That right? Yeah, we went out to dinner and right. uh, and she just said, "This is what I'm doing. Do you want to be a part?" And I said, "Okay." <laughs> that was and that was it. Maybe Megan had a completely pro- had a different experience than I did, but mine was was and I, I don't want to say anticlimactic, but it, I guess you know what I mean. It was just like let's do that. You know, Ashley said, "Let's. I want you to be a part of this," and it was like, of course. So I was very honored that she asked me, but. Um, for me, Ashley's been, um, she's been everything to me. She, she's taught me who I can't even like put it into words, like what this woman means to me because she's just been everything. She's taught me how to just live my life outwardly. And, and I had this similar experience with Angie where I, I already had known her, uh, prior to her starting this, um, so it was a little different, but yeah, just having her like, you know, find all these amazing people that we all have this in common. And some of these people, like they don't really have anything else or their, you know, their relationships yes. with their families are strained. Yep. Um, at least I know mine is. So it's nice knowing that there's a whole, you know, other family you can reach out to. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been good. It's been good. It is family, isn't it, Megan? It really, it really is. It, there's, there's this sense of peace and deep friendship when we're all together. Solidarity, right. yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's like this is our village, and we can overcome any problems as long as we do it together. Yeah, oh, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> what? No, no, I don't. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I can, I can shut up now. <laughs> no, 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 it's beautiful. Sorry, Thank you, you know, it's this it's, is really also beautiful. <laughs> I mean, this it's true. Like the last year, on my birthday, I was getting ready. The following day, I was flying to the UK to to bury my mom. And that night before, I was I went to swap. And everybody was there, and it was like, I haven't lost a family, or I haven't, like, this is my family. And it meant the world to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, I actually had a cake there and a birthday present, and I told her not to tell anybody, and she tweets it out. And it was like, like you know, it, it felt like, it felt like one of those things that your sister would do that you want to strangle her for, but in reality, you absolutely loved it, and it's exactly what you needed. You know what I mean? To get on that plane and do what you had to do. I mean, it was, and that's what we're like. We're just, we're family. We're family. That's that's it. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to pull us back to COVID again. Um, There's obviously been programs like the Paycheck Protection Program and, you know, existing unemployment programs that I've heard mixed things about, you know, people who are involved in sex work being able to receive the benefits of. Do any of you have experience working through that? The disaster relief one, I didn't because I didn't feel comfortable applying. Um, But the payment protection one, I did because everybody had said that it didn't 
have any question on it about the adult industry. And my husband started to go through it, the one that was on the SBA website, and he said, there's nothing there. So, but then I, the bank said, told me I had to go use their form. And we went through everything. And on the third page, it said, it actually said, are you a part of the adult industry or a member of the adult industry or participate in the adult industry? And I wasn't going to lie. Right. You know, plus, I was worried that the question right above it was one about marijuana. <laughs> Do you sell marijuana? And it, <laughs> no. And I said that with great confidence. No. <laughs> and then it said, <laughs> it said, are you a part of the adult industry? And it's like, ah. Oh. And I just closed it down because I wasn't going to lie. But it just, you know, that's fine. Don't give my company any money. But it, it's... It's about my staff. So somehow they're saying my editor is not the same as the editor that works at Marvel or at Universal Studios. Right. You know, he doesn't deserve to have his job protected or that my office manager is not as worthy as the office manager at any of the other small businesses in the area. That's just like really not fair. You know, if you design for Adobe, you're cool. You design for a porn company, it's so cool anymore. I mean, it's just, it's just wrong. They're doing the same job as everybody else, but they have absolutely no protection. Uh-huh. You know, we provide jobs, as Ashley said. We, we, uh, we pay our taxes. I was really disappointed that they would actually single out an entire industry saying, we're going to help everybody but this segment. So swap. There's, there's this support network, there's political advocacy going on, um, obviously the care baskets, just, you know, in response to the hard times that we're all going through. Um, what else is SWAP New Hampshire working on right now? We had, a, we had an issue with mental health. So the demand for mental health counseling and therapy was overwhelming. And as you probably can guess, a lot of providers of counseling and therapy are over overwhelmed right and whether a sex worker has health insurance or not we are unable to put sex positive therapists in connection with some of our community so we decided that we would start a mental health peer group and we have actually reached out to other mental health peer groups over at unh and they're going to help us develop a system that has been proven successful for them. All right, so I have uh, Psychology Today open right now, which is a website where you can seek therapists, counselors, and you can search by, you know, what insurance they take, zip code. Um, And then there's this issues section where you can find someone who specializes in what you're seeking um, treatment for. And that could be, for example, here we got like anxiety, autism, even transgender that that is one of the things that you can seek counseling for um i don't see sex work or adult entertainment anywhere on here what has been your experiences you know navigating uh the mental health care system actually megan yeah you you have experience in counseling correct i do i currently work at a behavioral institution actually for kids with trauma um I went to school for psychology. So I, I, I think that's like a super good idea because that's something I always struggled with and why I would always leave therapy was because I could never 
because therapists have that same idea where, oh, you're doing this because, you know, there's some underlying issue or there's something wrong or you're an addict or something. I think there's a lot of horophobia, even, even among, you know, live out loud sex workers. I've had to deal with my own internalized horophobia and stigma and shame that is, you know, put into you by society. And you have to, you have to detach yourself. Like what, how much of this am I feeling versus what I've been programmed to feel, right? And I think a peer support group of people who have that solidarity, who have had that stigma and shame, we can really get some progress and provide some help to everybody because we've all been through that. We've all probably had an experience where we reached out and had our hands swatted away because we do sex work. You know, and being part of a community also allows you an opportunity to check our privilege, right, Angie? Like, like we're like, wow. But don't, I mean, your feelings are completely valid. Don't invalidate your feelings of being hurt or, or comparing it to somebody else's struggle because those do add up. Those stories collectively are our life experience and it all matters and it's all important and it's all valid. I think when we're all sitting there together and we're talking about them, whether you have a story to share or not, again, you have that feeling of family and community. And I don't think you can laugh at it, but it makes it makes your heart a little lighter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate all of you making the time to chat with me today. Um, I'm wondering, are there any closing thoughts, anything you'd like to get out before we end the episode? I think we have a voice. I just think we need to be heard. It's time. Yep. Hey, when we can, we'll get the permits and we'll take to the streets with our giant banners. And you know what? It'll be cool to wear masks over our face to protect our anonymity. <laughs> we can, maybe we can wear a whole like hazmat suit <laughs> yes Ryan I get this weird call from my mom that's like I can't believe you sold your body and I'm like I didn't I sold out all of it I do I do think it's interesting um, I say I say that I did sex work when I was 17 and people are like you were a child I'm a child. And I was like, well, that's weird, because that's the same age my dad was when he joined the army, which was way more traumatic by almost every conceivable metric. I'd like to thank all of our guests, Ashley Fires, Megan Maiden, and Angie Roundtree from Swap, New Hampshire. We also used several clips of Caitlin Bailey's one-woman show, Whore's Eye View, you can find out more information about Swap New Hampshire over on Twitter at S-W-O-P-N-H. And you can find more about Caitlin Bailey over at CaitlinBailey.com. And just a heads up, her first name is K-A-Y-T-L-I-N. The ACLU of New Hampshire is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization devoted to protecting and expanding civil rights and civil liberties in the Granite State. Check us out online at aclu-nh.org or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
and our lawyers would like me to remind you that this podcast was produced by quite an eclectic group of sex workers.